Welcome back to the Time Theory Podcast, the podcast for those people that know that their time on this planet is oh so limited, so want to better leverage their time in order to live a better life. In the next few minutes, we're going to be covering the number one thing that links all billionaires together. By the way, that's long-term thinking. And also, the shocking cost of switching and the hidden power of focus, and why life is like a treadmill, and you've got to pick what treadmill you want to run on. Then it's going to cover Einstein's eight wonder of the world, how it's possible to double the efficacy of your time so that every hour you spend, you're doubling the benefit for. And then finally, how you can actually benefit when other people get lucky. Yeah, absolutely. And so the first thing that we should be speaking about is long-term thinking. Yes. Of course, we've heard Jeff Bezos talk about this so much in his letters to the shareholders. Mm. I wonder if you could speak a bit, a bit about that. Yeah. So long-term thinking, Jeff Bezos, first of all, he's the, the richest person in the world. And whether or not you agree with his ethics, what he does, you've got to agree that he can navigate reality to get what he wants. A while ago, he went from nothing to the biggest company in the world. He started a bookshop and it went bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So there's something you can learn from him. He was able to see the world how it is and navigate that world to get what he wanted. And one of the things, one of the secrets that he repeats again and again and again, ever since the beginning, is the benefit of long-term thinking, the power of sacrificing short-term for the benefit of long-term. And I think when it comes to long-term thinking, the reason why it works the best is because, first of all, it's just something that nobody else is willing to do. Everybody wants to see results straight away, so they're only going to do things that bring results straight away. But there's a lot of things left on the table if you're willing to sacrifice in the long term. So I think the first reason why long-term thinking is incredible is because it sets you apart from the competition. Other people aren't willing to do it, and you're willing to do it. And wherever there's a barrier to entry, there's there's benefits to be reaped, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the second benefit is also the compounding, right? Einstein's eighth wonder of the world. Could you speak a bit about that? Yeah, so Einstein said that compounding was the eighth wonder of the world. Um, you can put $1 in a bank account and over time it increases. It goes from one to $1 and one cent. And eventually over the years, it goes up and up and up exponentially. I think that also applies to loads of other areas of life, but maybe we can touch on that a little bit later about how compounding is the secret to winning in all areas of life, whether it's your health or your productivity or your happiness even. Mm -hmm. um, but with long-term thinking, by sticking with the same thing over the long run, you reap the benefits of compounding exponentially over time instead of switching between things we only start to benefit from the you know the shallow part of the exponential curve mm -hmm. and so that's what this whole episode is dedicated about is how do we extract the most value out of long-term thinking and how to come how to come overcome some of the value the problems in long-term thinking mm -hmm. and so i think the biggest problem with long-term thinking is the commitment to one thing or to you know a, a broad range of things that are going all in over that over a long time time like something that's terrifying mm -hmm. like i'm committing to something over the next 80 years of my life like warren buffett went all in all in on investment and is reaping the benefits of that mm -hmm. um since like the age of 12 and so that's terrifying and i think we should speak a little bit about the, the kind of cost of switching that we've kind of come up against recently mm -hmm. um do you want to speak about kind of recently how the cost of switching has impacted us yeah so with timetheory.com it's a business about helping people use their time wisely that's the overall grand vision 
But with, un, uh, you know, underneath the grand vision, there's a whole lot of strategies that go in and there's a whole lot of tactics that go in. For example, where do we, you know, spread awareness? Do we do it through cold outreach? Do we do it through Facebook? Do we do it through Facebook ads? Do we do it through this podcast? Do we do it through this YouTube? And there's been many times on this journey that we've switched between activities. We've been doing one thing for a little bit, then we've realized, oh, maybe this activity isn't the best way to go. And we've switched to something else. And more and more and more times we're getting frustrated is because we realize it's a massive flaw that we have mm. by switching there's a huge amount of wasted time that we get we're meant to be the time theorists and we're wasting time by doing one thing for a little bit and then stopping doing that one thing there's a whole lot of wasted time there mm -hmm. and i think something that i've realized more recently is that um it, it's almost better to to stick to a suboptimal strategy than to switch to an optimal one that causes you to lose all the progress that you've made in a slightly suboptimal one um and i think that's so interesting because obviously i come from the startup world right and so they speak a lot about lean startup the methodology of your you're constantly pivoting you're constantly and there's this whole debate about when is the right time to pivot and i think i'm almost leaning on the time of leave it to the long term because those are the things that are going to pay off if you know that something is going to pay off on the long term then you should probably stick to that more than switching constantly trying to find that one hack that's going to work in in the short term mm -hmm. um, and so it's really going all in on one thing but i guess how do you identify what strategies are going to work in the long term what are the kind of symptoms of something that is going to work on the long term it's a huge risk so how can mm. you risk that for yourself yeah so i think that there's sometimes you've just got to blindly follow people that know better than you so if i had tested as they call it in the startup world a youtube channel after six months of getting no views i would have stopped that would have been a fair enough test you've given a fair amount of time and it's not working mm. But the people above me who knew better than me, who were my mentors, told me that you've just got to stick with it. And in the long run, this is going to work. And I knew it's a proven model, right? So I think that, that the only way you can commit to something if other people have proven it before you, at least unless you're, you're an absolute nutter and you're willing to take huge risks, you should only commit to something long-term that other people who've done it before have proven that it works in the long term. And you've just got to have blind faith that it will pay off. So I think the number one way is, has it worked for other people before? And do you believe you can make it work for you? Yeah, so it's extracting the principles from other people who have been there before and applying that with the with kind of blind faith almost. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a slightly different way to come at it, and it's this kind of um, so so for things that are completely new. So mm -hmm. if, if you're striking out in a new area, for example, um, and it all comes down to this kind of um, thing in computer science, it's a mathematical problem. Right. Um, it's called the explore um, slash uh, explore slash exploits problem. Okay. And so I think we've spoken about this before, but I don't think we've spoken about it on the podcast. So basically, if you have two slot machines in front of you and you have a hundred pulls and you can get you have a hundred pulls of the lever of the mm -hmm. slot machine how do you spread out those pulls optimally so these both slot machines have different probabilities mm -hmm. and so basically what's the optimum time that you can spend putting on one lever um so you've got basically got to pocket pick a pick a, a slot machine and you want to kind of maximize your value from that yeah um and so basically um it, there's two main strategies that i think are super useful so the first one is um is to stick with what wins mm -hmm. so if you pull the first lever um and and it wins and you stick with that and you keep putting until you lose and then you go to the next one and you keep putting until you lose and then you switch right. that's only slightly better than random right um and that's kind of in our strategies that's kind of what we've been doing we've been doing it until it works and then and then not doing it right um and so the 
the other kind of mathematical kind of solution that people have come up with is is 38%. So you spend 38% is right. really weird. Yeah. Um, it, I think I'm pretty sure it is 38%. Okay. Um, but basically you spend 38% of your time. And so of those hundred pools that you get, you spend 38 of them just going between and whichever one is, um, has the best, um, payback in those, in those 38%. So maybe you spend half on one, half on the other of that 38 pools. Um, then you go with that one over the long term. So basically you spend 38% of your time exploring and then you spend the rest exploiting. Then you pick one you say, right, I'm doing this, this slot machine. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think this, this links to, maybe it's 28%, but maybe this links, this links to life as well. So maybe at the start of your life, you, you explore lots of different areas. You find what am I best at? What do I enjoy? What do I love doing? Mm -hmm. And you explore lots of different areas and then you pick which one you want to go on and on. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, in your youth, you should spend a ton of time just trying out lots of different things, even things you can possibly conceive of doing. Mm -hmm. And then once you have all of that data, at some point you have to decide, right, I'm going all in on this one thing and going long term with it. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess this kind of links to the treadmill thing that we were talking about as well. Yeah. And before we get onto that, I think that that's, it's, a, it's a crazy point. And it's, <laughs> it's phenomenal that there's been some kind of a mathematical equation as to whether you stick, whether you move on. Yeah. And I think uh, with our theory of life is interconnected and that there are more connections between different subjects. So very quickly on a tangent, in, in school we study math, science, physics, English, uh, you know, all these different subjects. But I think the more and more I learn, the more I recognize that lots of things are interconnected. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is because you can apply that to hiring people. Mm -hmm. So do you hire people? Do you either hire someone random and you stick with them until it doesn't work or until it works and then you move on to somebody else? Mm -hmm. Or do you interview 40 different people and then you pick one and you go with them? Mm -hmm. They're two different strategies of, of working, and I can see how they'd benefit, you know, either of them. Yeah. So that, I mean, that kind of strategy apply, uh, applies to that as well. So say you have a pool of a hundred people, mm -hmm. um, you basically interview twenty-eight of them, and then uh, twenty-eight or thirty-eight. I, I, should, I will put in the description like actually what the answer yeah. is. Should probably have researched that. But you um, you talk to um, twenty-eight people, for example. You don't hire any of them, mm -hmm. and then as soon as you find someone who is better than the twenty-eight that you've seen before, you hire them on the spot blindly. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is how you increase your chances of making the optimal decision and finding the best person in the pool, um, which is really cool that that actually works like yeah. that. Um, and uh, I mean, you could apply it to your dating life as well. That's what you, I was going to say as well. <laughs> you go on Tinder and you you don't go on any dates. Thirty-eight swipes. <laughs> and don't you, need to upgrade to Tinder Premium. You've got thirty-eight. <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> yeah. So we have just improved your recruiting process, your dating process, and your business strategy. And that's why you should listen to the Time Through podcast. Um, <laughs> that is synergy. That is synergy and so basically um it's super interesting and so in your youth you should kind of explore as much as much as possible friendships relationships everything collect as much data as you can and then go all in mm -hmm. um and this is why we find like if you look at older people as well um people who are in old age they often go super deep on relationships like older people um you know um pensioners and such they they um they often have like five relationships with people and right. super deep relationships and so this compounding doesn't just apply to money or anything it applies to relationships as well mm -hmm. and so explore for a little bit and then go all in and exploit mm -hmm. um, so exploit your friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the, there is a weird kind of counter argument to this about committing to one thing and going all in and that's that what's it poly skilled i don't know the official polymath, term. yeah poly polymath yeah um where the more different things you know, the better you are as an overall person. I mean, it's very difficult to become the best in the world at music, mm -hmm. and it's very difficult to become the best person in the world at maths. But if you become 
pretty good at music and pretty good at maths, in the combination of the two topics, there's going to be some innovation that, 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 that's easier to have on the table. Mm-hmm. So do you have any thoughts on the, 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 the argument of polymaths versus going all in on one thing? <laughs> so you want to get two wives, right? <laughs> Is that what you're trying to argue for? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So the poly thing, I mean, that's, that's, that's the polymath thing is great. Right. Um, it, you basically become the best in the field. So I guess I'm just saying you go, you make that your one thing. Like don't think of them as being two distinct things. Okay. Um, like I, I, I can code and I can also write and I can also draw and I can do all those things. Um, and, and I can design. And, and so I guess I kind of see myself as like an engineer slash designer. I don't mm-hmm. see myself as an engineer and a designer. I'm an engineer designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of pursue things like that. Got it. Um, and so yeah, it, it's not seeing them as two things, it's seeing them as one thing, and then you're crafting your own special field for yourself. That's um, really interesting. I've never thought of that before. Because <laughs> you're going all in on the the mix between the two things. Yeah. I guess, in an, like essentially, you're going all in on yourself because nobody goes all in on one thing, mm-hmm. you know, and unless the, the okay, I should say not point not not one percent of people go all in on one thing. We're saying go all in on things that you enjoy on yourself, but go all in on it. Collect the skills, whatever interests you. I think when you're young, collecting skills is the most long term thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's far more long term than than reaching a, a goal. It's kind of like what we were saying about that that tweet I put out the other day about how learning a hack is kind of a golden egg. Mm-hmm. But if you learn a system or a skill or a mental model, that's the goose that lays the golden egg. Once you have that skill, once you have that mental model, once you have that system, you can reap the benefit from it again and again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. So I think that the most practical way to, to think long-term, even if you're not a business owner, is to gain skills, to gain mental models, and to create systems that benefit you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I guess I, I, the thing that kind of concerns me about the long, the whole long-term thing and going all in on that kind of combined field of your own is that I don't think humans are as prone to specialization as people like to make out. I think that we are all very open um, to trying lots of different things and to switching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, you could go from coding one day to fishing the next day, and I think that's perfectly okay. Um, and I'm just trying to, trying to marry that with this kind of long-term thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think that you just have to be very aware of the, of the high cost of switching and just make sure that when you do switch, you're going to be sure about that switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe stick to something for like the next 20 years. And like when you, st- when you start, and you switch to something, you should be saying to yourself, right, I'm going to stick to for the next, you know, 100 years or whatever, mm-hmm. unless, you know, there's a significant reason to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I would weight changing very heavily and mm-hmm. be very, very scared of changing. Yes. Um, and, but I mean, obviously, if, like, if it's depressing you and it, it's making you unhappy, then change. Like, we've only got one life. Yes. Um, but if you want to be at the best, best in your field, then long term is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And I find it really interesting that, that when we think about long term, our minds go to 100 years. Yeah. Our minds go to, you know, most people think long term, they're like, okay, 10 years out. Yeah. Planning 10 years, that's a long way away. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. But people like Jeff Bezos believe in this idea so much in the power of long-term thinking that he's built a clock in the middle of some mountain in the middle of nowhere. 
and that clock ticks once every year yeah. or it's like once every decade or something <laughs> like that and the cuckoo comes out once a millennia yeah. and he's using this as an image to remind people to think long term mm. you know we, we think five years is long term we think 10 years is long term but if we really want to tackle some of the problems that this world has whether it's climate change or, or whatever the case may be we've got to be thinking thousands of years out longer than our life even exists so the, the way that i do that is i read recently but if the by the age that we get to 50 mm-hmm. um, there's a solid chance that they might have overcome aging okay. so it's like a genuine reality that we might have to face the consequences of climate change ourselves right um and so that might be wrong but it's almost more beneficial to believe that that's true right for because humanity's like, sake yeah exactly i'm like okay i'm actually there's a good chance i might be living in climate like the effects of climate change so maybe we should do something about that mm-hmm. um and so i li- i like to believe that i would live for you know the next 997 years um <laughs> and so you know i i i hope that you know um yeah <laughs> yeah no I, I mean in an ideal world we care so much about humanity yeah. that we act the same regardless of whether or not we live on this planet you know we plant the trees today so that when the tree goes our our younger people can sit in the shade we're not going to have the benefit from sitting under the shade of the tree but we know that the generations after us would mm-hmm. but in reality let's not lie we're all selfish yeah we're all selfish human beings so knowing that we may you know reap the benefit or reap the costs mm-hmm. uh, What's the word? What's the opposite of reap the benefits? <laughs> Have the face the costs, face yeah. the consequences of climate change really does act as an incentive for us to, to be even more on the on the green side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to picking a treadmill, right? Because I think this is a super interesting thing mm-hmm. that we, we kind of stumbled upon. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the kind of treadmills that you see most people getting on? Yeah. So the obvious one is the hedonic treadmill, mm-hmm. where you set some kind of a you know a goal for yourself, whether it's an income goal or whether it's a, whatever the case may be, you want to lose a certain amount of weight. And you think, when I get to that goal, I'm going to be so happy. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. It's going to be blissful. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to be living on cloud nine. I can't wait till I reach that goal. Then you get the goal and soon, and and fair enough, you get the goal, you're happy. Things are great. Maybe you win the lottery. You're like, this is incredible. I've got so much money. I can do all of these things that I never thought I could do. Mm -hmm. I can wipe my bum with dollar bills, (laughs) whatever the case is. You're, You're happy for a little bit. But then what happens, and this is scientifically proven, your happiness then goes back to exactly where it was before. Mm -hmm. And those happiness that you get, it's short term. Mm -hmm. You go straight back to where you were. And then what happens, you think, right, now I'm back to where I was before. How do I get happy again? Mm -hmm. And you set another goal for yourself. You want to earn more. You want to wipe your bum with more dollar bills. (laughs) This time, $100 bills. Yeah. And then what happens is you get there and it's the hedonic treadmill again. And you just go up and down and you never really make any significant progress. I think that's the obvious one that most people are on. Yeah, definitely. And I, just, I think the strategy, so I take a, two, a two-pronged strategy to kind of getting over this hedonic treadmill. Mm-hmm. So it's like the kind of calm mind. And I think we're going to do a video about this soon, but I had to completely, have a completely serene mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one is um, picking um, a treadmill that that is synergistic and, and that is beneficial to me and to the world to be on. Because mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be very hard for me to overcome that hedonic treadmill and to overcome that human nature of constantly striving for more. Mm-hmm. So the thing that I want to be constantly striving for uh, for more is impact, right? I want to jump on the tread. I don't want to jump on the treadmill of money or women or drugs or happiness. I want to jump on the treadmill of impact and improving other people's lives. And so by jumping on that treadmill, I am constantly striving for more and more impact, which is beneficial for me 
me selfishly because we know the impact is you know what people go for like what you know billionaires and stuff go for traditionally in the long term right mm -hmm. they go for they go for impact because they know that that's what gives you the most happiness in the long term but then also it's the most beneficial for humanity um and that's just a nice thing to do isn't it yeah and i think the the context about how we had this realization is really interesting because mm -hmm. we set a business goal and I thought, right, I know for a fact I'm going to be able to reach this business goal at some point in my life. Mm -hmm. So why would I aim to do it in six months when I know I can do it in two, three, four years? I was I was trying to argue in my mind, what is the point in sacrificing some things now in order to reach this goal quicker when I know that I can reach it in the long run? Mm -hmm. And then what you mentioned that you brought up was absolutely genius because you said, well, you've got to remember that by that business growing, you're impacting a lot of people and you don't want to be on the, the, the treadmill for earning money, but you want to be on the, the treadmill for impacting. Mm -hmm. So if we can get to that business goal quicker, mm -hmm. then we're going to be able to get to the next business goal quicker. And eventually we're going to be able to get to a bigger goal than if I wasn't to go quick. Yeah. So by going quickly, we're able to impact more and that's a good treadmill to be on. Yeah. So pick a treadmill and start pr sprinting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that the, the argument for speed is a really interesting one mm -hmm. because the quicker that you can get, so, so most people, it takes them 65 years mm -hmm. in order to get enough money so that they can retire and that they can relax. Mm -hmm. If you're able to speed up time, you're able to leverage time, you're able to use your time wisely so that you can reach that goal by the time you're 30 or 40 or however young, you've now freed up the time between when you can retire and other people can retire for you to live a second life for you to now reap the benefits of retirement that other people don't get. Mm. And then what happens is if you can reap the benefits of retirement, you can do that relaxation or whatever retired people do quicker than most people can. Now you've got a third life. And this is a life that most people don't get to live because they go through life so slowly. Mm. You can speed it up. You can have a third life, a fourth life, a fifth life. And who knows what's going to happen if we can get to the fourth or fifth life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I already think that I'm going to live to 997, right? And so then if I can get even more into that, then I've almost quadrupled how much time that is. Right. Um, and that's kind of the, the fundamentals of time theory. But I really wanted to talk about compounding and Einstein's eighth wonder of the world because you okay. pipe that one up. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to talk about uh, compounding? Yes. Yeah, so compounding is just one of those things. Um, and, and I think it, it, it applies to so many different areas of your life. Like it, most people, when they think of compounding, they think back to the third grade maths class that they were taught that when you put money in a bank, it goes up and up and up over time. But I think that again, compounding can be applied to so many different areas of your life. For example, a simple decision can compound. Mm -hmm. The decision for us to do this podcast can compound. The decision for you guys to listen to this podcast, you may think that this is just 45 minutes listening to two guys talking about time. And you may think, oh, this may be slightly beneficial. But if you can do something beneficial, the benefits that that can give you over the long run is absolutely insane. Because this podcast may be the butterfly effect that causes you to make one other simple decision, mm -hmm. that causes you to apply for a different job, that gets you a new job, which earns you more money, which gives you more freedom and gives you more confidence. It gives you all of these different things. Compound interest applies to all areas and it applies specifically to the decisions you make. Because mm -hmm. I think that the decisions you make about how you spend your time, which decisions in general, hold far more importance than most people give them. Every single decision could be the make or break between living a great life or a not great life.
Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just struggling to see how decisions can compound that. Okay. Yeah, sure. So so one of them, the second order consequences, mm-hmm. and then the third order consequences, and then the fourth order consequences, right. you've made that one decision, but now the knock-on effect of that one decision is going up exponentially. Do mm-hmm. you see that? Yeah, I, I kind of see that. I guess it's very hard to grasp. Could you give me kind of a very tangible <laughs> example? Yeah. So so like I mentioned, if, if you listen to this podcast yeah. and somebody goes away and they, they tell somebody else about this podcast. Yeah. Now we've got two people that are benefiting from these ideas. Right. Now that one person, one of them, um, because he's heard us talking about outsourcing, he decides to, to get a chef. Mm-hmm. And because one day he's not cooking and he's doing something else, he's out walking on the streets, maybe he bumps into a CEO who's able to give him a job which he's now shot up through a wormhole and he's now sped up his his trajectory through time. Yeah. So by this one simple decision to listen to this podcast right. or to go to the gym and start the habit of going to the gym or to do one beneficial decision, over the long run, that simple decision, the effect of that is far more phenomenal than people initially think. Yeah. I don't know whether that's compounding, though. That sounds more like the butterfly effect. Like I always see compounding as like doubling every... Yeah, you know, but I guess it's kind of the same. Um, that's, that's so interesting, though. I think I need to think about that a lot more about whether the butterfly effect and the compound effect. I think they're similar in that they are one thing leading on to more things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely, that's that's so interesting. Yeah, um, and maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's not compounding in the strict definition of the word, mm-hmm. but I think you do see a very similar thing appearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about synergies. Okay. Um, so I read, uh, what is it? The four habits, the seven habits of highly effective people. Oh, yeah. I tried to read this book so many times when I was younger. I thought this is like the, the one book that I have to read. I think I must have read it. I've tried to read it probably like five times from the age of 13. Um, right. And I just haven't got, I've never finished it. I'll be honest. Okay. Um, I just never got into that book. <laughs> yeah. I can fly through books today, but for one reason, some, I should probably go back to it. Okay. For some reason, I never got through that book. But I remember one chapter being synergies, um, and I thought, oh, that's that's quite interesting. But then I just didn't do anything with it. Right. And it was only since only recently, when we've been working heavily on stuff more, that I've realised actually the power of synergies and what syn- what he actually meant what he actually meant by synergy there. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I felt like I'd actually, I actually I understood the definition of synergy. I just never actually used it. Yeah, and this whole this this is the same thing that we constantly say that knowing something and not applying it is the same as not knowing it. And so, yeah, could we kind of discuss a bit more about actually what synergies is, how to look for synergies, and and how people can actually apply synergies in their life? Yeah. So the the way I hold synergies in my mind, it's doing one thing that has two or more benefits. So an obvious example, a tangible benefit is you're doing the dishes and you're listening to a podcast. Mm-hmm. Very simple, the synergy, synergy, synergy there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're spending X amount of time doing the dishes, but you're also having a, something, a synergy by listening to a podcast as well. Mm-hmm. But I think the more and more abstract you get out, for example, us recording this podcast, first of all, there's going to be YouTube and that's going to help people understand time theory and people are going to join the procrastination program. Um, but, but then also it's synergistic for us because mm-hmm. we're having a conversation, we're pushing our boundaries, we're talking about insightful things so that's increasing our wisdom. That's another synergy. Mm-hmm. And I think looking for synergies wherever you can is incredible because it means an X amount of time or energy, you're now doubling the amount of benefit that you get from that thing because you're just 
getting more benefit than you would originally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, this podcast is a perfect example of synergy for us. So basically we, we would have these kind of long winded philosophical discussions together and we we're like, this is such a waste of time, How, <laughs> but we love doing this. Yeah. So we, we were like, okay, so we might as well just podcast it. And then at least we're getting, we're creating value for the world and we're, we're kind of giving something back and allow and kind of getting more viewership just from something that we'd be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. um, we even took this to the extreme and tried to make our <laughs> video games. <laughs> so on occasion, me and Andrew would sit down and play video games like an hour or so. And we were like, okay, so how can we get even more value out of this time? Because, you know, video games are good. They're like a good bonding experience. And I think more recently we realized the importance of video games for us because otherwise we don't do anything other than philosophize and work on the business. Yep. Um, so it's important for us to do some fun things together. Um, and we were trying to make video games to be synergistic. So we're like, oh, maybe we should become Switch Twitch streamers as well yeah. and make it into a productive, like we would, we would talk like a podcast, but doing video games. Um, we found out that it was very difficult to play video games and talk, having intellectual conversations together. Yeah. We tried podcasting whilst playing <laughs> Minecraft. <laughs> it did not work. Yeah. You can't concentrate on two things at once. Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult. Um, so those conversations were that amazing. Yeah. Um, but the reason that's synergistic is because first of all, we're growing our bond together. We're doing something together that's fun and we're sharing an experience. We're also playing a game, so we're relaxing ourselves at the end of the day and we're, we're reaping the benefits of reducing our cortisol and calming us down, ready for sleep. But we're also benefiting if we're live streaming this because you guys get to watch us, you guys get to, get to digest some slightly beneficial uh, you know, information <laughs> in, a, in an enjoyable way. Um, but it didn't work. Yeah. So that's one of the examples of synergies that didn't work. The yeah. idea was there, that execution probably wasn't there. Yeah, and I think it was just because we realized that we couldn't give enough value to the viewer. Mm -hmm. um, and we were just like, no, we shouldn't do this because it's not going to be valuable to them. And that we were rationalizing playing more video games than we should. <laughs> yeah, we could just play eight hours of video games all day. That, that makes sense, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's all about finding synergies um, in, in everything that you do and trying to stack things on top of each other mm -hmm. so you can do as many things in, in one task as possible mm -hmm. and I think you know a really practical example of this that you kind of told me about was getting a mirror for my shower okay. so because this is like um, so basically you get a mirror you put it in your shower and then you can then shave in the shower which is genius because now I can every time I have a shower I don't even have to think about when I need to shave anymore mm -hmm. I just go in the shower and I just shave then I know I probably should <laughs> <laughs> okay alright fine I have moved rooms recently and I haven't been able to set up the mirror so i haven't been able to shave yet um the people are listening just comments <laughs> exposed exposed yeah <laughs> practice what you preach guys um, <laughs> um so yeah um but that was really interesting is like and i'm trying i'm constantly thinking how can i improve my shower and so now i have an audio book going on i'm having a shower and i'm shaving at the same time it's like constantly trying to get every single little squeeze every juice out of the time as possible yes and I, and I think that we've given some good examples about more, you know, practical things. Like I mentioned, when you're doing the dishes, you listen to a podcast, when you're in the shower, buy a mirror on eBay or Amazon. It's just a couple pounds, but it's going to save you a lot of time because you're in the shower anyway. It's nice to shave in the shower. Um, but I think there's a lot more abstract ways to be synergistic or to find synergy in your life that's, that's more difficult to recommend because it's so unique to everyone's situation. So I guess the, the most practical advice we can give is when you're making a decision, run the mental model of 
can I make any of these options synergistic with other areas of my life? Mm. And if you can, then weigh that heavily because now you're doing two things in the space of one period of time. Mm. Absolutely. And so the final thing that I'd like to speak about is, is capitalizing on other people's luck. Okay. Uh, this is super interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never thought about this idea. Um, and the obvious one is about in investing, right? Yeah. Can you explain a little bit more? Because I've never thought about this idea before. Yeah. So basically, investing, um, you have people come to them. You you have people come to you with ideas, and you're thinking, like, okay, what's the percentage chance that they're going to get lucky or they're going to create their own luck, yes. right? Um, and then you just give them some money in exchange. They give you a chance at them get a percentage of their chance of getting lucky, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, and so, yeah. Um, and then on the flip side gambling yeah. or, or the, the what do you call the house yeah they're benefiting from people's unluck or people's bad luck <laughs> because when people lose they get money yeah okay so maybe that's the principle then you can either benefit from trying to benefit from other people's luck or uh, other people's unluck yeah and outside of investing is there any other ways that you can benefit from other people's luck um i think it's just becoming the best kind of person possible right okay. so if you become it's, it's kind of like the benefit of going long term is you become sick in one really good area so you become really sick in one but uh, a really you become sick in one really great area but then someone else gets lucky and they're like shit i need someone who's really good in this area then they come to you right yeah and so if you just become a really great person and you become someone that people want to work with um then that's one of the benefits is that other people come to you with their luck and say right i need your help um and so um it was um, Naval um, on the Joe Rogan podcast where I heard this from, and I think it was fantastic. And yeah. the example that he gave was, um, imagine you're the best deep, deep sea diver in the world, and then somebody else is finds like this underground gold chest. Um, they're they're obviously going to come you. to you. They've become lucky and have then come to you because you're the best deep sea diver in the world. And so it, it's two things. It's investing in other people um, and it, in, in order to find their luck um, and all the benefit from their luck. And it's also becoming the best person possible so that other people come to you with their luck and they're like, please help me. And it's also finding friends who you can surround yourself with because if they get lucky, they get more skills, they benefit from whatever, they're going to impart that wisdom or knowledge onto you. Mm -hmm. So it's also finding mentors as well because if the mentor gets really lucky or they got lucky in the past with success, then they can impart some of that wisdom onto you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. So that's like the benefit of a mastermind as well and having, having close friends and yeah, you can really see how that kind of compounds as well. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. yeah. But but I, I, I want to give a shout out to Naval. If yep. you're listening to this podcast, go check out his stuff because you're going to find benefit from it. Yeah, N-E-V-A-L. -E -E it's N-A-V yeah. dot A-L, the website. Okay. Fairly certain. Okay, excellent. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right, great. Um, yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, I think that's all we have to say today. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, guys. Leave us a, a review on iTunes or Spotify. Leave us a comment on YouTube. We read every single one of your comments. We really live off of your feedback. Uh, we love interacting with you guys. You guys are all incredible. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>